Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Monday episode of the show. I'm Wes. He is Chris. And we are glad that you're here. I'm going to apologize in advance if you are on the live show. I'm getting a little bit of a um, notice here of a connection issue. I'm hoping it's not going to be like before. Those of you who know back, I don't know, maybe January, we had lots of issues over here. We thought those were completely fixed. Everything's been great so far uh, since we got the cross your fingers that the connection will hold and will be good because we've got a lot to talk about again i'm wes mitchell he is chris clark you're on gc live uh, thanks for joining us uh, either live with the video version youtube facebook twitter or with the audio version that's posted pretty quickly after the fact on every single major podcast platform uh, lots going on of course we're going to get into tons of recruiting that's that's sort of the the big focus right now both uh within the south carolina football program and, of course, with our coverage on GamecockCentral.com. 
Gamecocks add two public commitments in a span of two days. And, of course, we'll talk a, a good bit about that and get into uh, some other things that Chris and I either saw or heard from uh, a 7-on-7 plus O-line D-line camp on Thursday and Friday this past week and then a regular traditional camp on Saturday. So, Chris, plenty to get to, man. What's going on? Oh, a lot, man. We are uh, we are trying to catch up. I just got off an appearance with the guys on 107.5 The Game, and they were kind of asking if things had slowed down any. Common question. Answer is no. Only difference is we're not physically out at a camp today. Checking that out as we have been, what, eight times now, eight camp days. So today's about catching up, continuing to gather more info, double back on some things that we learned from camp. And obviously, over the past couple of days, two commitments, as you said, for the Gamecocks. So still plenty to get to, still a lot to do, and and two more uh, team passing camps and O-line, D-line camps coming up later this week as well. So still still a lot going on in Columbia for sure. Yeah, quite proud to say we are now 8 of 8 uh, again. So we've continued – Gamecock Central has continued its stretch of – shoot, man, I think it goes back to the beginning of the Muschamp era – that we've had somebody, usually both of us, but we've had somebody at every single uh, camp, uh, all must champ era, and now eight of eight on the Shane Beamer era. And uh, we firmly, fully plan to hit uh, 10 of 10 coming up this Thursday and Friday, which um, we got plenty of time to get into all that. But seems like there's going to be some guys definitely to keep an eye on, some guys I'm excited to see on Thursday and Friday. But let's circle back. Let's start commitment on Sunday. This was uh, technically – a commitment from two weekends ago as South Carolina lands um, Miami, Florida, Florida Christian High School, defensive tackle Jamal Weiss. Uh, this was anticipated. He had already told Jimmy Lindsay, told Shane Beamer that he wanted to be a Gamecock. Went public on uh, on Father's Day. We've got a story on Gamecock Central where uh, he details that. Uh, as I did in the story, and, and I, I'll say it again now, sort of just – uh, we'll let Jamal explain all that in his own words, so I'd encourage you to go check that out. It's on the front page. It's free. You don't have to be a subscriber. Um, but a, a very uh, a kid that's been through a lot to get to where he is at. And, uh, you know, Chris, I, I think you know he's, he's a mid-three-star guy on, on Rivals, but uh, when you turn on the film, when you, when you see what Jamal Weiss is all about on the field, we, we saw him uh, not work out publicly, but we saw, you know, we saw him. As far as seeing how big he is, massive kid, 6'4", 270, 275 pounds. And um, I think actually a really nice uh, get for, for South Carolina. And and actually Jimmy Lindsey, he's been involved. He's had South Carolina in the mix with a ton of uh, defensive tackle prospects that seem to be showing high interest in this program. He gets his first uh, verbal commitment for the 2022 class, his first commitment um, um, as South Carolina's defensive line coach for that position in Jamal Weiss. Yeah, and there is, you know, I'll, I'll go back to my line, a, a lot to like about Jamal, a, a kid who, you know, takes his craft really seriously. And you look at the film, um, you know, a lot of traits that you look for in an interior defensive lineman, you know, about, what, 270 pounds right now, Wes, so, and he's grown throughout high school. And you look at his frame, and he's got the ability to continue growing, putting on good weight, growing into that frame. Um, his late father was a college football player at Marshall. So he's got some, kind of these collegiate bloodlines. And when you look at him, you know, he looks like the type that can be that interior attacking, you know, that three technique attacking type of defensive tackle. Uh, he's quick. 
He brings kind of already a, a nice blend of pass rushing moves, whether it's just overpowering guys, quickness, spin move, um, getting after the ball carrier, getting after the quarterback. So um, he, he brings kind of some aggressiveness, plays with some violence, Wes. And, and I think, um, you know, you look at this kid's film, good bit to like here, I, I believe, about Jamal Weiss. Yeah, and no, as you said, man, he's uh, – I think he's definitely an interior player. You know, he plays on the edge a little bit for his for his team, as you see here in the, the film, if you're watching on the video version of the show. South Carolina sees him as an interior guy. But uh, while he is an interior guy, he's not just that sort of 330-pound nose tackle that you just put in the middle and say, go plug, you know, go plug up two gaps and, and sort of eat some blocks. He is, I think, a true three-technique type of player. Um, he can knife into the backfield. He's got really good explosiveness off the, off the ball, but, but also has some power. Like he, he drives through defenders. Um, the the fir- very first clip, you see him diving after the quarterback, just laying out full extension. So you see, you know, I think in that play, you can sort of, you know, extrapolate. You see some effort there, but you see some uh, some athleticism there as well, just in, in that very first play that you saw of his film. And, you know, a kid that we can get into who's pushing and who, you know, committable offer conversation and all that BS that people want to talk about, um, you know, when you talk about uh, an offer list. but Alabama, Florida, uh, schools that that did at some point offer and are heavily involved here, and uh, you know Miami's have, was heavily involved here. I mean, a kid that um, was relatively unknown. I would say going back to probably the beginning of 2021. I think if you look back, it was sort of early 2021. Teams started to find out about him. Uh, Kentucky offered him as well, and uh, a kid that you know I, I think probably because he transferred in from Ohio uh, down to, to South Florida. Um, didn't really play a ton for whatever reason last year, but then started to come onto the scene during his season last year. Sort of had had been a bit of an unknown, and then once teams started to see what this kid was all about, see the film, then uh, school started jumping in. So a uh, talented kid, man, and and just really a, a lot to work with here if you're Jimmy Lindsay. And, I, and it sounds like just talking to Jamal that Jimmy really was able to establish a relationship here, a bond here, that I would say has gone well beyond football. You you see that a lot with with football prospects, uh, certainly. But to me, this one this one went even a little bit further than than just your typical player coach relationship. I think it did. And and one thing that we've learned in a very short period of time, we we heard this as soon as Jimmy Lindsay was hired at South Carolina, and that, that we heard from some of his former players, guys that he had recruited and coached that, you know, he was a relationship builder type of guy. And we've kind of – it's been a little bit of a running joke, Wes, that he he knows everybody. <laughs> it kind of seems like he's got connections to just about everybody uh, that, that that walked in the door. I'm going to give you actually an example of that here soon. It's unrelated to Jamal Weiss, if we can remember it later in the show. But, you know, there there's, um, you know, a connection here with Weiss. And it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Ryan Brubaker, the four-star offensive lineman that South Carolina is recruiting out of Pennsylvania. Um, he's mentioned kind of a similar thing with Greg Atkins and that they've maybe shared some life experiences um, and they have kind of that deeper connection, which helped attract Brubaker, who South Carolina is heavily in the running with, to sort of get them in the mix, get them in the game, ultimately drew an official visit. Same thing here to where Jimmy Lindsay jumped in early on Weiss. They really connected. Um, obviously, able to get him on campus twice uh, this summer, a couple weekends ago, and that ultimately led to his commitment too. So 
definitely a connection there. Uh, definitely a good relationship that, uh, like you said, man, it, it's more than just a typical kind of recruitment, keep in touch kind of thing. It goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, but again, with Jamal Weiss, I like this pickup for South Carolina from a player standpoint. I think he's going to give him everything that he's got on the field. And, and as a player, um, again, all, all business type of approach. And the traits are certainly there when you look at his size and what he can do athletically on film. Yeah, so we'll certainly – he'll be a guy I'll be curious to continue to maybe watch a little bit as a senior as he plays a lot more and and then, you know, what, what's, what he can do once he gets into an SEC strength and conditioning, SEC nutrition program, and everything that goes along with being a student athlete at that level. Um, by the way, uh, as you see above our head every single episode of the show, this show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can find Clint, C-L-I-N-T-H-A-M-M-O-N-D.com. That's 803-771-6933 is another way to find Clint. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to refinance uh, your current mortgage, give Clint a shout in, in MLS number 71597 or chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Several different ways that you can find Clint. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network and Every time I've, I've had something to do with a mortgage, I have gone through Clint. It's been a perfect, smooth situation every single time. And that is not always the case. I've heard horror stories of people um, thinking they're approved for a loan, thinking they're approved for a mortgage, and then it gets down to the finality of it and uh, something's missing, something's been inputted wrong, and they don't get approved. So with Clint, I can promise you a smooth situation there and Pretty much everybody who in Columbia who has used Clint has the same exact feedback. So we appreciate Clint being an outstanding sponsor, presenting sponsor here uh, on GC Live. I'm, I'm reading the comments there. Uh, Jeremy says his team is awesome. And Craig says that Clint has a great head full of lettuce. That is very, very true. So we appreciate Clint uh, being our guy here. So second commit, Chris. Peyton Williams, Gamecocks dip into Texas. I uh, I stupidly asked on Twitter, when was the last time Carolina added a guy from Texas? And I deleted from my brain that it was actually Shiloh Sanders. Not that long ago, a few classes ago. Who was the last guy South Carolina added from Texas before Shiloh Sanders that signed with South Carolina as a scholarship guy? Maybe should have been my other question because my I instantly was like, well, it's Elliot Fry, but – Elliot came in as a preferred walk-on, ultimately was was given, you know, he earned a scholarship, but did not come up, come in as part of the actual signing class. So that's a little trivia there. Do you know the answer off the top of your head? I do not. I've not looked it up. Um, maybe somebody in our comments knows, or, or maybe we'll, we'll effort that and, and get to it later on. But Peyton Williams was on campus for, for multiple days. This was an unofficial visit. You know, I, I said to myself, wow, if a kid comes out here with his whole family from Texas on an unofficial visit, on his own dime, basically, says something about his interest. I didn't know that um, – I didn't know essentially that uh, he was going to commit right off the bat. I thought, you know, they'd probably get him back for an official and then we'd go from there. But uh, he goes public this morning, Monday morning, commitment to South Carolina. Um, your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I mean, this is a kid. The, the first thought I had, was get a little bit more, obviously, into Peyton Williams as a prospect himself, but you think about needs in this class. Defensive back is obviously a huge one. 
Um, and if you really get specific on that, uh, the need to bring in some true safety type prospects, that, that's a position that we've, we've harped on. We've talked a lot, been a lot of discussion, Gamecock fans, both on this program, on our forums, on GamecockCentral.com about the safety position and how it's just been lacking. You know, there are a lot of reasons for that. We could do a whole episode on, on the safety position and the history of it and recruiting and the injuries and all those things. But the bottom line is this, it's a big need in this class. So now in getting Williams, who projects as a safety, we talked about that, my conversation with him that's up on GamecockCentral.com, you know, asked him about, hey, what does the staff talk to you about in terms of position at the next level? He said, safety. It was very quick, very simple answer. So now that you've got Williams committed and Javante McClendon, who committed uh, the weekend before last and in conjunction with his official visit, now you got two guys in this class that can legitimately go and play safety for you. Sure, it's, it's fine to cross-train guys. It's good to have a guy that can play nickel or safety or corner, two out of the three, whatever it may be. But th- now you've got two guys that play the position in high school, and you feel like you can slot them there at the next level as well. You know, diving a little bit more into Williams specifically, we got a chance, Wes, when, when camp was going on to eyeball this kid. And he has good size. I mean, he's put together well. Um, he's, a, he's that free safety, that center fielder type when you look at him on film. Um, six picks, I think, last season. So he's got some good ball skills, um, shows pretty good instincts. Um, he's, he's maybe not a super flashy player, uh, but he does a good job of tracking the ball and showing ball skills on tape. And so um, definitely someone that, you know, you're right, maybe weren't expecting the commitment at this stage, uh, but they obviously did a really good job with him on campus this weekend. Yeah, a kid that um, he's right around six foot, maybe maybe a touch above. Um, 187 pounds, which is actually a, a little bit above what he was originally listed at on, on the different sites. He's 187 now, projects as a guy who who has the frame to, to get up above 200 pounds or so. And um, like you said, a, a true safety. Uh, I think South Carolina likes his um, th- the fact that he's been a productive guy. Um, like you said, six picks, uh, lots of tackles uh, on his resume. And um, he, he's a lengthy kid. He's six foot, but he has a, a big wingspan. Um, good ball skills, sort of all those traits you're looking for, um, as you said, in that sort of free safety uh, center field type position. His current team sort of uses him, you know, all over the place. But I, I think for South Carolina, a true safety is something that, you know, we've talked about how weird it is that they didn't really hit on a lot of true safeties uh, for, for the last few classes. So a need there. And if I can get this going here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop the film on Chris. But I, I think um, – maybe allows them to be a little bit more, I would almost say selective, Chris, because now you've you've got three DBs committed. And we know they're going to take more, they're going to need to take more. But I, I think you can be a little bit more selective with with who you take and, and what you're looking for in um in that at that position uh moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, someone asked us today on the forums, you know, how many guys is South Carolina going to take, you know, whether it's DB in general or at all positions. And my answer was, look, look, I'm not trying to give a cop-out answer, dodge it. It's kind of hard to predict. And we've heard this at other positions in this class, Wes. It just kind of depends because you maybe have a specific number, but then pending who you can get, you know, you may change that number a little bit. You know, are you going to get grab another transfer at DB? Uh, for the 21 class, that's very possible. You might count that guy forward. Maybe that changes your high school numbers a little bit. But you're right in that you kind of have this baseline of now you've got two 
safeties in this class. Two guys you legitimately feel like can play safety. They're on the board to safety. You've got that. Now maybe you're looking at, okay, we can be a little bit more selective now. We don't have to go out and sign whoever, which that's never been part of the strategy for South Carolina is to sign whoever. You know, you, you do have to fill out a class. You have numbers and needs that you need to hit, but you try to balance that with bringing in talent that can be impactful for you, obviously. So lots of guys still on the board, including several defensive backs, West that are projected to officially visit South Carolina this weekend. And so there's going to be a lot more to track there. Uh, but in Peyton Williams, they they get a guy that checks that box of play and safety, um, has you know some nice offers to his credit, and certainly has some size and some skills that the staff can work with to develop in the future. Yeah, I, I think watching the film, man, this is a kid that'll hit you too. I mean, uh, you're, you're talking about a high level of football in the state of Texas, and it, it's it's interesting. I saw Colin, uh, you know, tweeted this. It's interesting to see how this class has come from from many different areas of the country so far. Uh, you know, you have a quarterback from Delaware. You now have a defensive back from Texas. And, um, you know, they, they've sort of cast a, a fairly wide net, I would say, as far as which states they've hit. And, um, you know, I, I think we, we got to give a little bit of credit here on the show, Chris, to to Joe Bowen, who is a South Carolina off-the-field defensive assistant. He had some really strong connections to um, to this kid and a coach of his from his time at Florida State. And that's sort of what got South Carolina – in the door, got them on the radar, and, and ultimately they were able to get the kid in. And, you know, I, I don't even know if they were expecting to get the commitment this early. I, I think there was sort of some hope there to get him back for an official visit at some point and, and make a move. But then they go ahead and, and get the, um, the the verbal commitment and obviously liked him enough to take it because, as we said, that I, I think they're, they're in pretty good shape with several of these guys to varying degrees um, that have either visited officially or have visited unofficially, or will visit officially this coming weekend. So I think that's going to be an interesting conversation, man, both for them internally and for us here on the show and for our members. They're, they're obviously already asking. It's going to be interesting to see how that answer changes as we get more information. Who Who's a take? Who's at the top of that board? Who wants to come? And, and how do you sort of manage that? I, I think when it comes to roster management, man, who you decide to take and who you decide not to take and you decide to sort of prioritize, um, th- that can be a huge thing when you start to look ahead three or four years and we look back on uh, th- those decisions down the road. Yeah, it, it certainly can be. Um, you know, you, you can't – we talk a lot about prospects and classes, recruiting rankings, stars. We watch film. We break it down the best that we can on this program and certainly even more so on GamecockCentral.com with everything we do daily – Um, But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have to wait some period of time to assess those things. South Carolina could right now be sitting here with a top 10 class and everybody would be super fired up. You know, do they develop? Um, Do all the guys get into school? Does the staff properly develop them? There's there's so many questions, you know, pertaining to all that. And so you you do have to take that time period to look back. But what we know is that they've got to sign some defensive backs that can make an impact, you know? And so when you look at McClendon, when you look at, um, you know, this guy out of Texas, Peyton Williams, um, you watch the film and they're guys that look like that they can come in and help the program in some form or fashion at some level might be differing levels, might take a little bit of time, uh, but certainly there's an opportunity for South Carolina to sell playing time, you know, to defensive backs on the trail. And that's going to continue. I mean, there, there's seven commitments right now in this class. 
there are going to be many more commitments in this class. And I think we're going to have to take an approach of looking at the entire class when it's finished, how many guys are at each position, how many are their total, um, you know, how impactful are all the guys, and then ultimately how do they develop? You know, I think, I think that's a key to all this. Yeah. And development, um, something that, that has to be part of it. And, and some, some of that's on the staff, some of that's on the, on the players themselves. And, and really it's a, that that's why it's so hard to in college football to say, who's at fault for certain things because it's you, you, it's sort of a combination of all of it. You just don't know where the percentages lie. So I, I think what, what I've seen so far, Chris, um, I, I believe South Carolina is filling out its class right now. And, and you know, we, we've talked about this really for months that, that June and then July, even though July is mostly a dead period, I think you're going to get that period where guys who took all these visits in June are processing everything they saw in July. So I, I, I could still see there being, uh, you know, in college football re- recruiting in general, I could still see there being a lot of activity as far as commitments in July, just because guys took so many visits in June and maybe they didn't commit to a place while they were on campus, but they're wanting to process what they saw and then commit before, uh, you know, their season starts. That's always a big trend commit before my season starts. At the end of July, when it opens up again for for a second there, and, and kids take maybe some final visits, I think it'll be a huge run of commitments at, at that point. So, point being, um, we're starting to get a feel for this class and what it's going to look like. I think they're filling it out with uh, with good, solid prospects. I think the question for this class moving forward will be, and they they've got some big time guys on campus this upcoming weekend for official visits. They've had some big-time guys in for official visits. Are the sort of elite of the elite guys, the ones that they're battling, you know, the the big boy recruiting battles, how many of those guys are going to be willing to sort of take that little leap of faith and and choose South Carolina and choose the vision of Beamer and staff without sort of seeing that progress on the field yet. I think I think that's going to tell the story for this class and whether or not it's a class of, you know, some really solid guys who can fill out a depth chart, uh, at least on paper, versus some true difference makers, uh, you know, uh, along the way. I, I think, um, you know, we C.J. Smith committed to Florida um, over the weekend. A guy, South Carolina, gave a – you know, they, they battled to the end with him. They got him in on an official visit, made the top five, were considered one of the top contenders for him, but he ultimately picks the school I think most people had pegged as being the favorite since they offered in Florida. Can they pull off, you know, a, a Jalen Glover, who they're battling Florida State and now Florida with, and Oscar Delp, you're battling Georgia with. Several of these other corners we're talking about that are coming in, you know, are four-star guys or or higher in some cases where they're sort of the, the upper level of four-star, I mean. So, that, that, to me, was going to tell the story moving forward of what this class looks like on paper anyway um, will be can you add in sort of these, these solid avals with maybe stealing a guy or two and then creating a little bit of momentum in that way? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important to, to have proper expectations at this stage, and, and that may frustrate some people, but you just look at reality – you know, with the season and with recruiting, is it realistic to expect South Carolina to come in in year one, um, having had even a substantial portion of the 2022 class, Wes, 
under kind of the COVID period where you weren't able to get them on campus until this summer, you know, in June, uh, is it ex- acceptable or is it reasonable is a better word to say, oh, they need to sign a top 10 class. There needs to be just full of difference makers. That'd be fantastic. Is that realistic uh, given who South Carolina is going to have to recruit against? Probably not. Just like it's not realistic to expect South Carolina to win two games last year in a shortened season and come out and win 10 this year. Not realistic. If it happened to be fantastic. Nobody's expecting that, nor should that that be the expectation. I think it's a mix of what you said. Coming into this class, making a splash by improving the roster, trying to nail your evals on guys, and then going out and ultimately winning some battles. If South Carolina is going to make that kind of incremental progress, I do think in this class they do need to win some of those battles. How many is it? That's tough to quantify. But if you can go out and, like you said, if you can steal an Oscar Delp from Georgia, if you can land – you know, a couple four-star receivers, for instance, and, and beat big competition for them. If you can sign a couple of different smaker type guys at corner or safety, you know, those are going to be the type things that take this from a class that kind of puts them back on the right track to maybe accelerating that a little bit because the other teams around South Carolina that they're having to recruit against, that they play against every year, they're not really slowing up, you know, and so that makes this a tougher job right now. Um, I think when you look to 23 and 24, now that recruiting's reopened, South Carolina's hosted a lot of those guys on campus. They've done a really good job of laying a groundwork with a lot of those guys to where I get the sense, Wes, and I think we both feel it, that those are the classes that maybe are going to end up being higher ranked, provided South Carolina can show some level of on-field progress. But it is still important this year for them to go out and sign, I think, some difference makers in the 22 crop. It's just going to be a little bit harder, I think, right now to do that. Yeah, and I think, dude, it's been pretty obvious. Not, you know, clearly 2022 is a priority as well. They, you know, there are there are guys that we've talked about on the show and we've talked about on Gamecock Central for weeks, for months now, that are high high level recruits that South Carolina is involved with, and they are huge priorities. Um, you know, and Antonio Williams right down the road at Dutch Fork a guy that is a huge priority tar- target for South Carolina, Oscar Delp, as we talked about, several of these defensive backs from out of state. Um, but I, I think sort of simultaneously, there has been a real push to get as many 2023s into town as possible to lay the, the groundwork, to put South Carolina in a position to, to make some moves with these guys and, and sort of uh, to where you're not maybe fighting from behind. It's probably the best honest way to say it. Uh, you've already sort of got that uh, that that relationship there, and and the comfort level, and you you have t- to me recruiting. Uh, it, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of in a in a broader sense, it's like sales. You have to um, if you're trying to sell um, an ad space, then you've got to be able to get out there and talk to as many different people as possible to try to get them to to come on and, and partner up with you or, you know, be your sponsor. Well, in recruiting, in order to land big-time players, you ultimately have to have enough big-time players interested because you know you're not going to get them all. If you only have five studs interested in playing for you, you're not going five for five. But if you have 50 great players interested, then maybe you can land five of them. And, you know, your, your fans may complain about the 45 you missed on, but you got to be happy about the five you got. So I think that's that, that's the key to recruiting is getting enough of these difference makers 
to your campus and letting them see what you're all about and and then doing well enough while they're there that they they keep cutting that list down and they have you on the list. I think then if you're Chris, if you're in the position South Carolina is in right now, though the hardest part is finding those guys again, in my opinion, that are willing to take a little bit of that leap of faith and say, I'm going with South Carolina um, because I like maybe the the coaches better or I like my playing time opportunities better as opposed to a more established winning program right now. And that, that's just sort of the nature of, of where you are right now if you are the Gamecocks. Uh, so, again, man, those are the two commitments. You can read more about each of those kids on GamecockCentral.com. We've actually got uh, quite a bit of free stuff on them if you're not a subscriber. But um, if you aren't a subscriber and you want to join up, great time to do it. Use the code VISITS2021. If you're a new sub, you can actually get on for free until August 10th. So a chance for you to read all this recruiting coverage absolutely free and, and see if you like what you see. Other stuff going on this past weekend, Chris, Braden Davis, South Carolina quarterback commit, was in town for, for actually several days. This was kind of a – this was an unofficial official visit for him almost. He spent a, a good bit of time on campus. He'll be back this coming weekend for his real official visit. And um, you, you talked to him. Sounded like uh, – it was everything he was looking for. Obviously, dude, Carolina, I mean, he was committed. He had showed no signs of not being committed. He's been firmly committed to the program since he announced it. But there, I guess there is a sense of, hey, he's never been here. So um, he's done not, not in, actually been in the buildings, I mean, and met the staff. So may, maybe he comes down and just hates it. You know, like there, there, it's a situation where you've got to sort of it's got to it's got to go well, you know, if you're South Carolina. And by all indications, um, it went great for for Braden Davis and company. Yeah, all indications were. And you're right. I mean, when he was down at South Carolina in the spring, that was before recruiting had officially reopened. So he had to do kind of everything himself, self guided tour. And um, you know, so he was able to get back on. I think a what a Wednesday through a Saturday visit, so a really lengthy, kind of extensive visit, and his first time you know, face-to-face with the coaching staff first time and all the athletic facilities, all the academic facilities, went and looked at the engineering building. Apparently he's going to do something in engineering academically and was really impressed with everything. And so he got to go through all that, hang out with the quarterbacks a lot. And as he described it, Wes, just kind of get a sense of, of what life will be like when he's a quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks football team. Um, and then Saturday, of course, went out on the field, was able to throw with Marcus Satterfield, work with him a bit. Um, there were a lot of kids there. So obviously that wasn't a, a one-on-one type of situation. There, there are several other quarterbacks. They're actually a pretty good day for quarterbacks uh, at that particular camp. Uh, but he was able to go out there and work some and had a great time. And we'll be back this coming weekend, Wes, for his actual official visit where he'll be able to, uh, you know, help recruit guys now that he's got a better sense of, of where things are at. Yeah, no doubt. Craig asked, is McCall in this weekend as well? Uh, no, no signs of that happening. If I think if he was going to visit, it would have been that weekend when uh, several of his teammates were in, and that ended up sort of getting canceled. Although I don't know if that visit was ever completely, entirely locked in. It was always going to be one of those things, in my opinion, that uh, you don't consider it locked in until you see him with shoes on the ground in Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, I would sort of, I think McCall that ship is kind of sailed. Would be my guess on there. I, I don't know if. Torian Gray is still talking to him or not. I imagine you keep swinging there a little bit, but 
uh, for the most part, that one appears over for um, in Florida State's direction. Uh, let's see. Chris, a um, couple of other quarterbacks, like you said, were, were really, really good uh, on um, Saturday. My days are all mixed up. But uh, Kamari, Kamari McClellan, class of 2024 kid, he gets a uh, he gets an offer from South Carolina, and one of those uh, the way I explained it on our message board, man, was that some sometimes uh, and this is the best scenario for us. Sometimes we have an idea of who we're looking for, right? And there was probably four hundred kids there on Saturday at camp. Yeah, yeah, B- biggest group of the year, Bigger. I think. Uh, that one and the Sunday camp before those were probably the two biggest days as far as just number of total prospects there. You're sorting through a lot of guys, y'all, is what I'm trying to say. So it helps if you know who you're looking for. This was the kid we had no idea was there. But we're sitting there going, man, this quarterback, ball, the ball just pops out of his hand. Uh, so we start asking around, doing a little research, figure out it's uh, this kid from Alabama, figure out he's class of 2024, then uh, realize he's Kamari McClellan, and then start doing research, say, hey, this guy's already got an Auburn offer. Um he was actually at the Rivals Underclassmen Challenge this past week and took home the uh, QB MVP. So um, not ne- not a guy that's like going to be under the radar for long. He's officially on the recruiting radar and um, seemed intrigued by South Carolina. I talked to him. That, that story has not run yet, Chris, but he said he was going to be back in the fall for a game that he was sort of um, a little bit surprised at, at just how nice uh, the indoor was and how nice the facilities are at South Carolina. So. Um, I think probably a kid that's going to end up being a, a four-star type quarterback in that class and maybe may someone to keep an eye on for South Carolina in the 2024 class. We don't really know yet how that one's going to play out. I think if they if they end up offering Jaden Bradford, the, the local kid at Chapin, they'll, they'll clearly have a good shot with him. He's in the 2024 class. Jaden Davis down the road, um, Fort Mill area, Catawba Ridge, he's in the 2024 class. I think they're fighting an uphill battle there. So, Long way to go there, but at least a name, I think, for fans to maybe file away for the future, Chris. Yeah, and this is an example of a guy where, you know, we, we're talking a lot, focusing a lot on the 22 class, but th- this month is so significant for the 23 and the 24 class as well to lay the groundwork. And, Wes, a lot of the people that we talk to that are, you know, around the program, you know, kind of express that and that – yeah, 22 super important. They've got to make some progress in this class, getting difference makers, filling out the class, improving holes in the roster, getting better depth. We've talked about that a ton. But when you look at 23 and 24, this is a time where South Carolina actually has a kind of a that buffer zone. They have that gap to where they can get guys on campus and you're not they're not going to decide in six months or whatever the math is until December or eight months if they decide in February. Now you've got a lengthy period of time where you can get on campus. You can have them in camp in the case of McClellan and, and you like what you see, you know, where you stand with them in terms of what you think you see the film, you see them in person, you decide to offer, then you can go about building that relationship. Um, we've talked to numerous prospects from 23 or 24 where it was their first time on campus in Columbia and they have the benefit now of doing it under the new staff. A lot of guys, there's some guys, not a lot, but there are some guys West that we know about that have been on campus in the 22 class under the previous staff. And maybe they haven't been back yet. That's something maybe you have to battle with this 23, 24 class when you can get them on campus early under the new staff, you can go about building that relationship. And so 
with McClellan or a bunch of others that we've seen in 23, 24, even 2025, Wes, um, you know, that that's an important step for them to take as they continue their recruiting efforts. 2025. I don't even like, I don't like that number right now. Apparently there, there was a 2026 kid on oh. campus for the O-line D line camp the other day. So we're, we're not going into that. That's, that's too far. We're too old, but a couple of other guys, Chris, before we get off here, I think we got to hit on um, South Carolina gets Devin Hyatt, local wide receiver, 2023 on campus on Saturday. Uh, Florida defensive tackle Jamari Lyons was in for a multi-day unofficial. He'll be back on an official visit soon. Um, and then, man, probably the – I would say the most highly regarded guy, or at least one of the most highly regarded class of 2023 kids that was on campus uh, really all of June would be Big Vic Burley, a a massive human being, a true um, – I would say potential five-star level kid, Chris. Right now, he's the number 31 prospect in his class, according to Rivals.com, and that puts you just outside of that sort of five-star territory most years. Um, that that puts you right in. that He is firmly in the territory of he's too good not to take a swing, and he's, uh, he's, inter- he's interested enough to visit. So uh, keep, keep swinging here, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that's the key. It, now, to set expectations so that people don't try to come back and say Wes and Chris promised that they're going to land Vic Burley and 10 other four- or five-star players in that class, the competition's huge on this guy. Everybody in the Southeast is going to want him. Georgia's going to be a huge factor. Clemson's going to be a big factor. A bunch of other programs. Um, but, again, you have got to get a guy like this on campus to even be in the conversation. And South Carolina was able to do that. Um, it's been a visit that they've kind of been eyeing for a while, kind of been watching and waiting. Can we get this guy on campus? South Carolina was able to do that. And so we haven't gotten any detailed returns quite yet. We'll continue working on that. Uh, but he was hanging around with Jimmy Lindsay, who's been his lead recruiter in the indoor, checking things out, got the full campus tour, campus treatment, posted some stuff on social media about it. And so from that point, that's all you can ask for. Just just recruit the kid hard and try. Uh, another one, Wes, Montique Rames from Sumter. 2023 class, another big-time D lineman who looks really physically impressive. We saw milling around the indoor during camp as well, unofficial visit for him. So, again, lots of talent, you know, especially on that defensive line that that was on campus this last week. Another kid, Chris, uh, K.J. Sampson from New Bern, North Carolina. I think, um, dude, that that's a kid. I don't, I don't even think he's ranked yet by rivals, but I, I've had enough people – in the state of North Carolina, talk about this kid. Um, and you, you look at the the offer list, this dude's going to be really, really good and probably ends up being a priority for South Carolina. But a, a nice connection there you have with the Ontario Hardesty being able to, you know, he, he's from New Bern, North Carolina, went to New Bern High School. There's always this sort of built-in advantage if a recruit is able to, um, you know, sort of have that or a recruiter is able to have that connection where you can go in the school, maybe run into your old principal, maybe run into your old PE teacher. Um, obviously hard to see what he did at New Bern. It was not lost on KJ Sampson based on the feedback that he provided on Twitter and to, in our interview with him. So I think South Carolina firmly in the mix there with, uh, with KJ Sampson coming off that. 
And I, I wanted Chris to give a little bit of love to uh, to Pete Limbo's special teams camp, which we dropped by uh, for a minute. And the fact that uh, you had some former Gamecocks, uh, Walker and Abinett, the uh, former snapper when, when Beamer was here, uh, Spencer Lanning, obviously kicker slash punter, former NFL guy, and then Courtney Levitt, who was a, a former South Carolina specialist. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know exactly what years. That would have been sort of back. Uh, that would have been Holtz, Holtz era um, kicker. Those three guys worked the camp for Limbo. You had uh, ten diff- around 10 different other colleges were in as far as having coaches there to work the camp as well. Uh, the thought process being to give kids an opportunity there that probably aren't, maybe they're not quite on an SEC on a South Carolina level. Cause you, I mean, if you bring in a hundred kids, most of them are not going to be on that level. You're looking to find those one or two that are. So really, really, uh, I thought well run cool event there and, and a nice touch there with, uh, with limbo to have the, the former Gamecocks work in the camp. It was. And that's, that seemed to be more of an emphasis, not to say guys, didn't come around in the past few years. There were certainly some, um, but there, there's been more of an emphasis on it as far as getting people, even in roles around the program or being around the program a little bit more who factored in prominently, you know, in South Carolina's football history. We saw last week in the indoor Jared Cook was back for the first time in a while. That was good. I think he was on campus for one of the spring flag football games a while back, but hasn't been around a ton. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And so he was around Darian Stewart who we've had on this show uh, recently, Wes, was was around. Um, you know, he's he's been connected to that program since he retired, uh, which is which is good to see for sure. And then what you said with, with Limbo, you know, Beamer Limbo inviting some of those guys back for the camp, really well-organized, uh, well-run camp, uh, cool, cool atmosphere over there when we got over there. So I, I thought that was a nice touch as well and a, and a really cool camp over there for those guys. Seemed like it drew a lot of really positive reviews on social media as far as those things go west from the guys that were actually there and, and participated. Yeah, and I know, um, I know Courtney Levin in particular was excited just to have the invite. You know, it was it yep. was cool to sort of feel feel welcomed back uh, at at the school that he he played at and that he graduated from. So I know that that goes a long way and it, it dude, didn't it seem like deer in camp and it, it's obviously not over, but the eight, the eight days that has happened seemed like there were guys sort of just milling around that, that played at South Carolina a little bit more than in the past. And, and again, it happened before. I never want to be that guy. It seems like this is a trend in, in college sports where every, everything is good that a current staff does and everything is bad that an old staff does. Like I, right. I never want to be that guy, but um it does seem like there's been there's certainly been more guys from like the previous you know from the Spurrier and Holtz eras uh, that that have been around and um, Eric Kimry it seems like has been doing a good job job trying to document that and, and post pictures on Twitter of that but you had um, you had J C Horn Izzy McQuamu hanging around on Saturday yep good sign for the Gamecocks um, and you know I, I think was a, an important reminder there. There were a couple of people uh, of the people responding on Twitter when word got out that they were on campus. Ninety nine percent of the responses were incredibly positive. There are still a few people who are a little bit um, in their feelings about sort of how things ended with JC and with Izzy at South Carolina. But I think Chris, we got to remember that was sort of a 
that was a touchy time for everybody. That was a sensitive time, I think, for all the kids in the program. Those guys have been through a lot in the program. Um, maybe they'll look back and be glad they made those decisions. Maybe they'll look back and wish they hadn't made those decisions. But um, fact of the matter is, if you take the grand scheme of, of Izzy and JC's time at South Carolina, I promise you they they have love for that school. They uh, enjoyed their time at South Carolina, and they represent South Carolina. So uh, I think it's it's sort of time to turn the page on how that ended as well and move forward because here's the thing, man. J.C. Horn was the first defensive player taken in the 2021 NFL draft. It helps your school, if you're a Gamecock fan out there, it helps your school for that guy to be just standing around, hanging out, when, oh, by the way, the guy that just committed to you from Texas happened to be on campus at the same position that those two guys played, and they're now in the NFL. So it helped. I, I literally I literally watched a kid during the, the warm-up session of the afternoon part on Saturday say, oh, you know what? That's J.C. Horn. <laughs> like, is, it, is that really him? So I mean, it, you got you got to remember, like you can't get all in your feels about this. You got to remember it's a positive for these guys to be back at South Carolina's campus. It is, and you know, even since then, um, after you know the opt outs, all these different things, uh, I've I've even talked to some prospects in Georgia who know JC Horn that say that JC since then, I mean, has told them very positive things about South Carolina and the fan base. And so he looks back on his time uh, here and obviously still coming around the program. You know, here's the thing, Wes, people, there's a a section of people that get all mad. If, if you remember like on the the Monday night football intros or whatever, if, if a guy doesn't say South Carolina or whatever school the guy went to, whatever fan base, if it's Georgia, if it's Clemson, if they say like their high school or something else, they get all mad about it. Why are they not representing us? J.C. Horn wants to represent South Carolina, and, and same with Israel Mukwamu. And there's there's a lot that went into those decisions that hasn't even been talked about, you know, that we probably won't ever get into. Uh, family dynamics, all sorts of different things. And so I'm with you. Time to let it go. Um, it happened. It is what it is. Those guys are back. And we saw a lot of people associated with the program uh, that were there with those guys, that knew them from their time here, that were going up, talking to them. Uh, they're generous with their time. They seem happy to be back. Um, and and I think it's certainly a positive to have them back on campus and to positively represent your school. It's way better than the alternative. Yeah, lo- lots of smiles all the way around. And uh, the, the alternative, Chris, that you're talking about is this sort of just awkwardness of, well, I was at South Carolina, but I have this built up sort of resentment for my time there. And then, you know, J.C. Horn could, if if it goes the other way, there's nothing stopping him from from throwing shade on Twitter, from saying, you know, I never should have went there, from saying you should go somewhere else. So um, I I think everybody needs to be glad that there's a positive relationship there with those guys and South Carolina. And as you said, man, lots of smiles. Um, You could see former players extremely – there's a video of Jessica Jackson literally sprinting to go see J.C. Horn, and um, and as you said, man, those decisions, uh, especially you know with J.C., those decisions, uh, lots more went into all that than than maybe has been put out there. So, um, 
you know, I think we always got to remember we don't we don't know we don't always know what guys are going through behind the scenes or what's going on with their family behind the scenes. We only know what's out there publicly. So um, yeah, dude, I, I think that's about it. What um, I, I'm sure we I'm sure we missed somebody, Chris. But um, is there anybody else you want to hit on um, before we go? There was a story you wanted to tell about um, about Jimmy Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was gonna say yes, we definitely missed out, whether intentionally or not, on a bunch of other prospects. So the ones that we did miss on, check out GamecockCentral.com. Visits 2021 for the promo code Jimmy Lindsay. Um, you know, there was a prospect uh, that worked out at South Carolina's camp on Saturday named Brian Thomas Jr. And he is, of course, the junior of Brian Thomas, who was NFL defensive lineman with the New York Jets uh, for many years. That was the only team actually in the NFL that he played for. Really good player, played college football at UAB. Now his son is a three-star defensive lineman who worked out at South Carolina and has some college offers, including actually one from the Gamecocks. And, and did well at camp on Saturday. But, you know, we joke about uh, Jimmy Lindsay kind of knowing everybody. And it, I, I was kind of relayed this story to where uh, Jimmy Lindsay met Brian Thomas um, during the camp on Saturday. And, of course, once he found out, you know, who he was, there was, there was a connection there to where Jimmy Lindsay, I think, was at Chattanooga or something at one point when they were playing Brian Thomas. Uh, his UAB team, UAB, came back came back and beat Chattanooga that day and then went on and beat LSU the next weekend. And Brian Thomas was absolutely amazed, Brian Thomas Sr., that Jimmy Lindsay could remember those things and, and remembered that connection. So just another example there of kind of the, the relationships and the memory and all those different types of things. And uh, Brian Thomas, by the way, the NFL, uh, former NFL linebacker, I got a chance to meet him, talk with him Saturday. He was, he was super impressed with, with how things were going in Columbia and, and impressed with the staff and the facilities and all those different things. No doubt, man. So uh, that'll about do it for Chris. I'm Wes. We'll be back on Wednesday. Um, camp will be again Thursday and Friday. So Friday show, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe we can record something. We said we wanted to, do, we wanted to do that last time. Did not happen, but another big recruiting weekend. So hopefully at some point we can maybe do something real quick and just record it and pop it up on Friday. But for most of the day, um, Thursday and Friday, Chris and I will be out uh, bringing you live updates on GamecockCentral.com. Again, you can use that code VISITS2021 to read all about it. Um, I, I've been – you know what? I know I'm biased, but uh, I think we've had a lot of stuff on the camps, and if you are a recruiting person or if you're wanting to get into recruiting or if you maybe watched it from the sort of outside looking in but want to dive into it more, great time to get on Gamecock Central. And, again, there's no – it's free until August 10th if you're a new subscriber. So you can use that trial to your advantage and, and check out what we got. Again, appreciate everyone for joining us. See you in the live chat. Appreciate you guys and girls uh, hanging out with us. And we appreciate Clint Hammond, our presenting sponsor, of course, from the Columbia Mortgage Network, 803-771-6933. Chris and I will be back on Wednesday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads 
money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.